Good evening. It's September 19th, 2019. We're at the long run at 2452 Sullivan Avenue with the Deadhead and the Engineer. I'm Patrick. I'm Ethan. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at deadhead.engineer865. And we're on Spotify, um, which is still it's still cool. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Still cool. Yeah, we're not, it's not quite Apple yet, <clears throat> but we're on Spotify. So we're at the Bliss Home Corner at Trooper's Library here. Episode 31. Uh, we'll get to our guest here in a moment. Um, so kind of an epic week in Grateful Dead history. So I thought about rewinding to 9-18-1990 because it was my uncle's 65th birthday yesterday. And they opened up with Midnight Hour. Um, and he was going to call in, but he's playing a gig tonight in Wall Street. And so he couldn't call in. So I'm going to go with 9-19-90, which on 9... Again, I'm rewinding again. There's a lot of rewinding going on here. 9-15-1990 was the first... Um, the first night that Bruce Hornsby was a full member of the Grateful Dead. And so I think this five or six night run that they did at Madison Square Garden, um, of, I, I say it every week, pretty excellent show. Jack Straw to open up the show. There's a lot going on because you got, you got two guitars, you got you know, two drummers, you got a guy playing keyboard. And, and then Bruce on Vince is on keyboard and, and, and Bruce Hornsby was on piano and so very interesting kind of new sound for the Grateful Dead um, everything was like swirling and I'm, it was probably lots of people were swirling <laughs> lots, probably, of, lots of swirling going lots on lots of swirling going on but um, uh, I always like the Bob Dylan tune Stuck Inside a Mobile with the Memphis Blues again it's a long title and it's a long song um, but an excellent Help on the way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower. Every time I'm buying beer at Kroger, and you you, you ding the beer, you know, and it's like, and they said, whatever it is, help. And I always think to myself, help on the way. I start singing the song when I'm in Kroger. Um, I don't know if that means I buy beer too often <laughs> at Kroger, but excellent show in uh, September of um, 1990, uh, Madison Square Garden. I've, I've seen further at Madison Square Garden. Obviously, I've never seen The Grateful Dead. Um, but check it out. It was a good five or six night run. Um, midnight hour opener, Bruce Hornsby in the band, and um, check it out. So we're sponsored tonight by uh, Podium Sports Medicine. You can find uh, Dr. Kevin Sprouse at www.podiumsportsmed.com, and we'll get to Kevin uh, here at Actually, well, we'll get to Kevin in one second because uh, what's on tap? Ethan, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually – I picked up a growler of the Enlo Gap Lager uh, from uh, Albright Grove after our group run this right. afternoon. Um, it's a dry hopped lager, so it's a little bit hoppier than a normal lager would be. It's um, hoppy and tasty. There's a lot going on there. Dr. Kevin Sprouse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking from Blackberry Farm Brewery. Yallerhammer Pale Ale. It's a, a dry hop pale ale. It takes its name from the pavilion there at the farm where they have, uh, they host outdoor dinners and uh, they do some of their fly fishing stuff. There's a big stone fireplace and a kitchen out back. I think um, I saw some pictures recently that you posted on that. So You didn't cool. see me there. Um, <laughs> well, I saw some pictures no, somewhere. So typically, yes. What happened okay. is while I was there, Monday night, there was a great dinner plan there, small group, 
And as my wife and I pulled up to the Yaller Hammer, which I always enjoy saying, we got a phone call from the babysitter that my eight-year-old son had broken his collarbone. Oh, goodness. Um, so I dropped her off, turned around, got back in the car, went and checked on him. It's a good thing you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he was most concerned not about his, his collarbone, or as he said, his collar blade, but he'll learn yeah, one day. It's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I haven't taught him well. Um, <laughs> but I got home, and he was in tears. I was like, buddy, I, it, it hurts. I know you've got a broken bone. I can see it. He's like, it doesn't hurt at all. It's like, oh, wow, you're tough. It's like, what, what, what's the problem? He's like, I don't want surgery. It's like, no, Ooh. no, we do surgery on the cyclists when they fall because they're fully grown. They got to get back on the bike. Right. It's like, I'm putting an extra pillow on your bed. I'm propping you up, and I'm going back to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hospital. Excellent. And Excellent. he had a big smile, and all was good. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm drinking. Thanks to Kevin for bringing, obviously, you know, you spent a couple of days at Blackberry Farm. I'm drinking Boundary Tree. Uh, Hoppy Belgian style ale, which is uh, it's a Belgian style ale that features notes of citrus fruit that complement the bready malt undertones. Uh, it's pretty good to me. I've had it before, so um, I think before we get any further, you know, we'll we'll introduce at least um, Podium Sports Medicine. So at Podium Sports Medicine, Doctor Kevin Sprouse works with a limited number of patients employing a retainer style practice model, which we'll get into uh, further, obviously, when we get into um, talking with Kevin a little bit more. This allows for an extremely personal level of care that is critical to helping patients and athletes achieve their health and performance goals. And so when we, when we introduce Kevin a little bit more, we'll get into some of his background. Uh, starting blocks for us, we'll go over our things pretty quickly. Uh, Tennessee women... Um, it's not that often that Tennessee wins at anything these days, you know. Uh, but the Tennessee women did win uh, the Cavalier Invite yeah. over in yeah. Charlottesville. The men got fourth. They held out a bunch of guys, it uh, looked like, in the results. Was um, that at Panorama Farms? I believe it was. Did you, ever, did you ever run there? I did not race there. Uh, when I was kind of volunteering uh, many years ago with the team, I was – I. Was there? I mean, I run on the course. It's be- it's a beautiful. It's a, yeah, yeah. Have you been there? I've been there. I, yeah. I, and I haven't raced there, but it's really. I yeah. mean, you you want to talk about uh, an on campus cross country course? Uh, obviously, it's it. You know, I mean, it, I, I guess it, I don't know that it's big enough that it could hold NCAA championships. Obviously, Probably it holds not. regional yeah. championships. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's specifications and and things they need to like maneuver as far as that goes. But good, you know, good thing for the Tennessee women. Yeah. A win is a win. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina was there. Uh, Virginia was there. Uh, it was a pretty small meet, and um, well, it's early season. It's, it's early you season. Know, you yeah. can't tell, but yeah, yeah. winning winning at the cross country yeah. race is a big deal. A win is a win, and so um, yeah, I guess we'll see when the men put, uh, you know, when Coach Sullivan puts the men together. We'll see if you know they can maybe you know get on the winning side of things, and so uh, you know. Football team doesn't win that much. They got to play UTC to win, but uh, so, uh, like I said, a win is a win. And so, high, as far as high school action goes, um, AF Bridges was uh, this past weekend at the state course um, in Percy Warner. Uh, Callie Tucker, um, I think she got third or fourth or something like that. She's a local local girl. She goes to Catholic. Uh, CAK boys went or boy went they didn't have a team <laughs> score um 
I think Andrew Cross, uh, our good buddy Doug Cross's son, who runs for CAK. So wasn't a whole lot going on there at AF Bridges. It used to be a really high-powered meet back in the day, and it's kind of fallen a little bit on hard times. But uh, maybe one day it'll. It's just it's, pick a, it up. it's early season for cross country races. It, it you know I it mean, doesn't people matter. People just just got back to school, just getting into it. So I think that's the thing. Like you know whether it's you know college, the college scene or high school scene, it's still so early. You know, but when you look at it, uh, and it is so early, Jenna Hutchins is a name that we mention now weekly. And uh, so she stormed, she ran a meet down in South Carolina, and of course stormed to another course record running 1714, which, you know, I only ran 16, whatever I ran, 48 <laughs> on, a, on, the on, road, a, on a road, road course, yeah. You know, back in July. So Jenna, you know, obviously Jenna looks to be someone that. You know, be a title contender when it comes to Foot Locker, Nike, whatever she decides to run. Uh, Silas Winders, who is he, he? He's a senior, but he has two brothers that came before him, and I think both of them were sub nine minute guys from Henry County. Uh, he ran kind of a low key meet in Kentucky uh, and broke 15 minutes for a 5K. So, uh, you know, it's easy to get excited when a when a kid runs 15-0, you know, 15 teens, and he ran 14-52, um, and pretty much just stormed the field there, too, so it's like, you know, you're looking at probably, you know, obviously the, the, the number one boy, number one girl in the state of Tennessee, and, and top five, eight, or ten, you know, as far in, in, in the country goes. Um, this weekend, uh, a meet that I used to previously take my team to West High School, the Trinity meet uh, in Louisville. Uh, last year was a colossal disaster. It was super hot. Uh, the girls lined up. Um, they were able to race. The boys got to the starting line and they blow a whistle and they cancel the meet because of the heat index. Wow. And so I decided I made the, the executive decision as the coach to not go back to that meet this year. I had talked to some coaches up in, um, like up that way in Ohio and Indiana. And, and again, it was another meet that kind of, it used to be a super high powered meet. Uh, Megan Murray, who, you know, we've had her on the show. Like she went there and was top 10 one year when it was loaded. Um, but we got a lot of local teams going. HVA boys, which look to be uh, the top team in the in excuse me in the state uh, this this fall, Farragut girls, which um, look to be one of the top teams on the girls side in the state, and then Webb and Oak Ridge are going to go. Uh, so, from my coaching perspective, you know, if I put my coach's hat on, I'll see what the um, what the Farragut girls look like in a you know in a, in a meet like that, and see what I have to adjust and change moving forward. You know, so. Um, you, have you ever gone to the Louisville course, like when the NCAA championships I, were there? I've actually never been to the cross country meet, the cross country course in Louisville. That's the uh, Tom. Is that Tom Sawyer? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's yep. a, it's super fast. I think. Yeah. It's very um, fast. But yeah, I've never actually got gotten to go out there. It's a you know it's an interesting course. I I don't know I I don't dislike it. It's not my favorite. You know I think I I'd love the opportunity one time to you know see an NCAA championship in Madison, you know, where it was last year. Uh, Terre Haute is, is the, 
I ran in Terre Haute, and then I ran in, um, in at Furman in Greenville. Furman. Like Madison would have been, you know, just the scene there would yeah. have been cool. You yeah, know, be you know, Louisville all, even all, in November. All the history and yeah. Wisconsin running, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been cool. But, um, you know, we'll see how the weekend goes. Obviously, you know, we'll report back next week. I'm sure, you know, there'll probably be course records set all over the place. And, and we'll continue to cover, you know, our local people, our local kids. And so, um, you know, we get to uh, Dr. Kevin Sprouse, so... As, we, as I normally do, I'll read, I'll read the bio, you know, that Kevin provided us with. Dr. Kevin Sprouse is trained and certified in both sports and emergency medicine. He serves as the head of medicine for EF Education First Pro Cycling Team and works with elite and professional athletes across numerous sports and disciplines, including cycling, obviously, triathlon, PGA golfers, NFL athletes, Olympic track and field athletes, and many more. Dr. Sprouse's unique experience and expertise are sought by high-performing athletes, executives, and health-conscious individuals across the country and around the world. That was a long introduction for Dr. Kevin Sprouse. <laughs> Kevin Sprouse, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm great. Good. You guys? We're well. Yeah. It's another good. Thursday night Thursday night podcast. Thursday night at hanging nice. out at the long run. So, man, it's good to have you here. You know, uh, it was obviously... We've known each other, like you and I personally, for a couple of years because the first time I met you was at the KTC uh, Hall of Fame banquet. Um, I was fortunate enough to be gifted a ticket, and you were the guest speaker that year. I was, yeah. Yeah, and so, you it's know. It's a fun I'm, event, too. It's a great I event. Really yeah, it. it's a great event, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, my co host here sitting in between us was inducted. You know, most recently to the class. I last think you year. missed that one. Nice. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I wasn't invited. I, would I guess there. you would think as a speaker at one point, like you'd have like a residual, uh, you know, invite. All the carpet time. was yanked, man. Yeah, wow. we need to get up. No, yeah, we'll talk. People, we we'll talk. talk. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. We know. We know. Yeah, we know. Hall of Famer now. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think obviously there's so much that you do. I mean, we could spend more time than we are really allotted well and you would you bore know. a lot of people so well maybe not us <laughs> you know and so um you know i think first and foremost let's just go over a little bit about your background yeah you know so academically at least my background i started in um studying exercise science in undergrad and and got a major in exercise physiology and biomechanics and then like any good academic I went and was a backcountry guide for three years after that. Oh, that sounds, yeah, <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah, I led rock climbing and, and rafting and kayaking trips out west, hiking. Wow. Um, Originally from where? From here in Knoxville. Oh, for, okay, yeah. Knoxville, okay, cool. Where, where were you out west? Uh, I spent one summer in the San Juan Mountains, kind of out of Gunnison, uh, leading trips out of Gunnison, Colorado. Yeah, I spent some time there at Western State with those guys. Yeah, it's beautiful Back in the early 2000s, yep. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful place. So I was there one summer. I spent another summer up at um, uh, out of Seattle, basically doing sea kayaking trips in the the San Juan Islands there. Wow! And then we would go rock climbing down just outside of Bend, Oregon, um, rafting on the Deschutes, hiking up in the North Cascades near Stahican, which you've probably never heard of. It's the it's the most remote town in the U.S. in the lower fifty at least, or lower forty eight, and you can only get there by boat or seaplane. Um, and it's absolutely incredible. Highly recommend Stahican. There's one bakery. Wow. They make amazing cookies. 
So if you go on, if you want to hike or travel, travel for run, cookies, stop <laughs> for cookies on the way back. So I did that for a while, and then um, I, I worked as a, a EMT medic, um, and then eventually decided it's time to grow up and go to medical school. And that sucks, doesn't it? it yeah, it kind of yeah. did. Yeah, I still say to this day. I mean, I've got a fantastic job, and I love what I do. But if I could get paid enough that I could support a family doing like that, those trips again, which I was paid nothing. I mean, <laughs> I, looking back, I don't even know how. To but the myself. experiences were well worth it. I'm totally. Sure. Yeah. But I'd go back and do it again. Um, but I, I ended up uh, deciding that I wanted to go into medicine. Um, started medical school after that that year in, uh, in Washington. And so I studied medicine for four years, went and did a residency in emergency medicine in New York City. Yeah. And from there, uh, got interested in how to work in sports medicine without doing orthopedics because uh, I'd done some shadowing of orthopedists when I was trying to figure out what specialty I wanted to go into. And it was amazing, and those guys are awesome, and it didn't suit my personality. Um, I. Uh, I like to have a little bit more variety in what I did. So understand some cardiology, understand some orthopedics, you know, deliver a baby every now and then. Um, <laughs> like you just never know what's coming in. And so I, I decided emergency medicine was going to be more my pace. And then when I got into it, I said, you know, I, I missed the athletic component. And so then I decided to do a subspecialty in sports medicine, um, which is what I did at the Stedman Hawkins Clinic, uh, and then moved back here to Knoxville. And so, yeah, fast forward, like here you are today, you got Podium Sports Medicine, which is a clinic that you, you know, I guess own and operate here in town. Yep. I mean, and we'll get into kind of, um, you know, EF first education, which we'll, we'll, we'll get educated on, on, sure. on abbreviations and different <laughs> things like that. Um, I, I, you know, I think, and we had, we had chatted a couple of weeks ago about kind of your business model at Podium Sports Medicine. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on there, how it's going to serve the community here locally while obviously your scope is, you know, kind of global. It's not just in sure. the 865 area code. So let's talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, so um, when I came back to Knoxville, uh, I, a couple years after being here, uh, I opened up a, a private practice Initially, I was doing some ER work and then working solely with professional athletes. Um, so I didn't really have a practice people could walk into and see me. Um, so opened up Podium Sports Medicine yeah, maybe five years ago now. Um, initially as Provision Sports Medicine based on where I was located. Uh, and then kind of moved out of that space into a different one and, and renamed it, but it was the same practice. And up until January of this year... It was a, a, not a typical practice. I mean, it was definitely a little smaller, a little more boutique. Um, but you can make an appointment, come in, see me for whatever issue is going on, mm -hmm. like you would any doctor. Uh, in January, I took a sabbatical, uh, moved my family to Spain, to Girona, Spain, and worked solely. We had talked about them. this earlier, yeah, or yeah. a couple of weeks ago, yeah, right. So I was over there for most of March, April, May, June, July. Um, moved back here at the beginning of August to get the kids back in school. And while I was there, I maintained a handful of patients who were professional athletes in a number of sports outside of cycling. 
um, almost as a bit of a trial to see how it would work with me traveling and still seeing them. And it worked really well. Like they, they enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had a lot of time to work with them, um, which is something doctors lack is, is time to know their patients and to, you know, I, I could pick up a, pick up the phone after a golf match and or a PGA tournament and talk to a guy who just competed and see how it went and what, what was good, what was bad. Um, I could call a guy after, or, or girl, after an Ironman triathlon and, you know, talk to them about their goods and bads and how we're going to change things. And I really liked that model. So when I came back, I decided rather than have hundreds of patients, which is still a small practice, most doctors have thousands of patients, um, but rather than have hundreds, I was going to have tens of patients. Um, okay. And so I've narrowed it, basically capped it, and uh, we're about almost halfway full on my on the cap that I want to do yeah um and we're enrolling people you know, a couple of people a month and keeping it slow and growing it slowly and maintaining that personalized feel so it's an annual agreement when somebody comes to be a patient of mine at this point um they sign up a year at a time and uh that includes various testing and monitoring semi-annual blood work um we use the aura ring to track sleep and, and yeah. recovery uh, we'll connect their training peaks or their Strava uh, into a dashboard that also pulls in their blood work and all their metrics so that we can follow them really closely. Uh, and then we tailor it to them. So yeah. so, so you, don't, you don't work with like insurance. This is, this is just... Um, it's totally out of network. You're basically, you're basically the insurance. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I recommend that people maintain some insurance because your catastrophe strikes right. and you end up in the right. hospital. Like, you want to have that. Um, but this uh, monthly or annual fee can basically cover most of the stuff outside of that. If you've got chronic illnesses, you still need to have your various specialists and, and whatnot, and insurance is helpful for that. Um, but in those cases, what I'll do with my patients is if they need to see a cardiologist, uh, I had a patient who had a, it was an athlete, had a heart condition, or we were concerned about a heart condition. Um, and so we sent him up to Harvard to the, the sports cardiology department up there where I know the guy who runs it. Um, I can be in close contact. I can even go with them sometimes if needed. And so it's just a bit more of a, to me, it's like, it's like being a team doctor for people who have, don't have a team, don't have a team, yeah. don't have yeah. that, that yeah. framework to work within. So it's just providing a service that's really not been there before. You know, a question that comes up, um, is... So your time in Spain, <clears throat> you know, you, you took the family over there, um, and the, the practice, like that sort of practice here, um, you don't see it too often, you no. know, like that sort of, you know, a, a physician like yourself, like who's involved in sports medicine, and so where where did the the brain fart, the brainchild come to to bring? that sort of practice not I mean and, it, and it's unique to Knoxville because obviously we don't see it you know yeah. you're the you're, you're one of a kind man you know, well, so. thanks probably more ways than um, no when, when I you know having a background in exercise physiology and recognizing the the benefit of exercise just to overall health but then also the performance component of it uh, how nutrition plays in to performance and to general health um when I got into medicine, that was lacking. There was no, 
you know, people said, oh, you need to eat, exercise and eat better. And yeah. patients like, okay, tell me, what do I need to do? Thanks for the advice. No, no, exercise and eat better, that's it. Like, so the, the advice was really lacking and doctors aren't taught how to fill those gaps. And so I wanted to have a practice that was able to give that advice appropriately to people who are interested in taking it, right? And that's not everybody. I mean, this, my practice certainly doesn't suit everyone. But for those people who are active, maybe competitive, but not necessarily, um, you know, from professional down to, to you know, very non-professional, yeah. very recreational, right. if, if there's the interest and the desire to dig into the science of human performance, health, vitality, um, then I want to bring that to them. And so that's why I opened it. I think that's the thing that Ethan and I and, you know, and our boy Jonesy talk about regularly. Well, now that he's healthy again and he'll, he'll, he'll rejoin the conversation, um, is that so more often than not, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the professional athlete trains in one particular way and, and the, the non-professional athlete trains in another way. Although when the, like the, the principles in between are all the same. They're like, the same. You know, you, you, like you have to recover, you have to train appropriately. And so it's like, you know, Ethan, you know, can speak to it. I mean, he's a 219 marathoner. Yeah. And so, um, but I think, yeah, there's some like disconnect, like, oh, well, you know, he, he's different than I am. It's like, well, you might be a 320 marathoner, but the same principles apply, you know. Totally. And, and what we learn, when we look at the segment of our population that has, the, has developed their physiology to the pinnacle and is you know, truly working at the, at the optimized maximum, that's when we can say, okay, well, what do we need to do, the rest of us, to improve in whatever it is we do? And that may not even be exercise at all. That may be you know, going to work every day and wanting to come home with a little bit of, uh, of, of energy and vitality, be able to play with the kids and you know, not feel like your day's just done at five o'clock, right? right? So, you know, looking, looking at the, the elite athlete, we can look at what kind of physiology supports those goals, whether it's mitochondrial health, uh, you know, how to exercise, how to eat, um, and, and really let that trickle down. And it's amazing when you take, you know, it's fun to work with the most elite athletes who are trying to push the envelope of performance, but it's really fun to work with people who haven't even started that journey, and you kind of get them on the right foot. That it's it's low hanging fruit. I mean, you can you can really impact patients. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably you know you can have you can have a somewhat of an effect on someone who's already at a certain level and already is doing pretty much everything they need to be doing. You can you know have a couple a couple percent maybe to help right. them. But but someone who's has no idea what they're doing and just just getting into this. Yeah. You can uh, make probably make a lot of uh have a big effect pretty quickly. Totally. Make a big difference in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And and things like sleep and diet are important to all of us, right? I mean, we learn with athletes how to how to tailor those things, but that stuff impacts all of us in our performance, whatever performance looks like for you. It's such tri- you know, obviously trial and error. I mean, you know, um, Ethan's probably you know been through the ringer trying to figure out how to manage things 
you know, through different. No, it's easy. You know, super, super easy. Yeah, yeah super yeah. easy. Yeah, everybody is like, oh, just, yeah. You know, it is trial and error, but you can you can minimize the error and the number of trials with the right data if you collect the right data. Right. Right. So if if you're just out there trying this and trying that, it's. We know some people road. like that that just throw <laughs> but, caution but also, in the wind. But also with people who have been there, who people who have been there and seen similar issues before, yeah. know how to deal with something. You know, someone like you who's seen, you know, what how how a professional athlete would deal with this issue, or right. you know, or you know, we were talking about you know coaching people who right. have uh, questions. Yeah. You know, if you've seen a lot of athletes and you've seen you know what works and what doesn't work, you can kind of. Uh, lead people down the right path where you know sure. if, if they led to their own devices they'd be trying this and trying that and like taking pieces of this and pieces of that and trying to put it in the blender and figure it all out well and i'll freely admit too you know say seven years ago when i was a couple years into this there was there was stuff i saw that i'm like i don't know let's let's try this and now you know i can say okay i've seen this four or five times now like here's how we're gonna do it yeah i mean i think you know myself as a coach like you know i'm a pencil and paper guy you know I, i jot things down and workouts and I like to be able to go back and look not for comparison's sake um, just to see well how did this athlete respond to this particular workout and I, and I try not to just regurgitate the same thing over and over and over again it's just like you know and again Ethan and I talk about it you know every morning it's like you know yeah this workout worked this time is it going to work the next time like you know you tweak it you change it you adjust it and, and, and different things like that. And, and I guess that's, you know, I'm not a scientific individual. I mean, you know, between the two of you, you know, way smarter than, than myself. I just try to see, see it from a different perspective and, and, and I'll, I'll analyze it in my own way, you know, if sure. that makes sense. But that's scientific. So, I mean, yeah. you're, you're trying a different training technique or Well, thanks, Kevin. Whatever I appreciate it. it. Sure. And then you evaluate the outcome and you see if that's the way to go. You yeah, know. right. Um, I, I would suggest adding, um, and you don't have to take my advice, but um, I think when you, when you do that type, of, uh, you know, that type of protocol, looking for a training plan that works for someone, Adding in a global outlook, looking at things like blood work if it's available to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be annual blood work they get at their primary care doctor's office, right? Where they're they're looking to say, okay, are you diseased or not? And then the answer is no, <laughs> and they're like, okay, everything's normal, go on. But there's some hidden gems in there, you know, iron status and 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 hemoglobin, hematocrit, inflammation levels, stuff like that. Um, so that can be a really useful piece to kind of trend over time and see, you know, is, is training breaking them down or are they building up with it? Right. Um, looking at sleep and recovery, uh, using things like... Which is the most important thing. Sorry, I, that was it's appro- inappropriate timing. No, that was perfect. I needed a new beer. Um, <laughs> I mean, sleep and recovery, I, I think the trend right now is to say it's the most important thing and I'm glad it's getting its due. Right. I don't think it's the most important. It's hugely important, but... If it was the most important, we could sleep all day and wake up and run a two-night nice. marathon, yeah. right? That'd be nice. So it's it's about that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, that's what he, yeah that's what Ethan does. He sleeps at work all day. I think we don't hear from him. You know, you know, for a couple of hours, and all of a sudden he chimes in. The the coaching provides the stimulus, which is generally catabolic, is what breaks the body down. The recovery, or the the, I mean, if you, if you call it recovery, adaptation time, provides the time for the body to build based on that stimulus right so 
if you overdo the training stimulus, there's never time to adapt to it and you break down. If you overdo the, the recovery time, the adaptation period, then you never apply enough stimulus to, to trigger any change. So it's, it's really about both sides of the coin and, and making sure that both are prescribed appropriately. I mean, there's so many different aspects, you know, avenues that we can go down. Um, I think in an effort to, you know, since we have Kevin here, um, no one part is any more important or valuable than the other. I think that the fact that you're head of medicine with, and I know we're, we're going to go over this briefly, uh, EF first education. Education first. Education first. Excuse me. Correct. The pro cycling team. And, you know, and, it's, and we talked about this, uh, you know, the, the way that things work, it's so ironic. Miss Mary Wittenberg is the uh, she's a CEO uh, yeah, or a president. Actually, I think she's the team president. Yeah, um, I think so. So uh, she's the big boss. Yeah, she's, big, she's, she's, <laughs> she's the head ha- boss. She's the head honcho, and she's yeah. been a head honcho for a long time. So I know Mary quite well, and so we, we meant to get a picture last time. We're going to get a picture tonight, and then we're going to send it to Mary because uh, back when I was back when I was a real runner, you know, now that I'm not a real runner, now I'm just a hobby jogger. Um, uh, she was uh, president of the New York Roadrunners Club, yeah. And then she got out of you know got out of running per se, and 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 now she's obviously cycling. Well, or in, in, so she went to cycling. she went to uh, be in charge of Richard Branson's. Um, That's right, the Virgin um, Virgin Sports. Oh, that was Virgin a tweener. I didn't know the Virgin tweener. Athletics okay. or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and then after that came came to us. This okay. year is her her first year as our okay. team. Okay, I thought she'd been there two years, but so yeah, you're 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 obviously the head of medicine. So, you know, the the we'll go over it briefly. I think the thing that it's that's always cool when when we're talking about stuff, Ethan and I, is the the connection between cycling and running. So Mike Woods. Who's the University of Michigan guy? Uh, yeah. was a pretty badass runner back in his day, and now he's he's on the team cycling. Yeah. Now he's a badass so, cyclist. Yeah, now I mean, he's a badass cyclist. He's yeah, he's. I would say he's kind of a uh, a favorite. I don't want to jinx him, but he's one of the favorites for the World Championships in cycling coming up okay. in about ten days. Um, it's are you going to travel with the team in ten days, or use? Not to this one. This one is specific to countries. So oh, okay. Countries okay. Their own team. And he's he's from Canada. He's, so he's on okay. the Canadian yeah, team. He is. Team. I mean, the Canadian yeah. team is large, but he's the Canadian hope. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was a, a Michigan runner, sub four minute uh, miler. Yeah. Um, really strong, and, and got injured, uh, and ended up picking up a bike, to uh, kind of as a as a way to rehab the injury, and then realized, hey pretty good at this and he kind of made his way quickly through the amateur ranks even though he was an older cyclist to be new to the sport yeah that's what the articles Um, were showing up that like yeah he's uh, he's an old guy yeah yeah he's not he's 30 yeah 29 31 somewhere in there right way younger yeah the the they say if you're not in in cycling if you're not like on the pro level by the time you're like 20 then you're old then you're old yeah 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 it's so he he definitely came to the sport late um but it's been really interesting to see his physiology as a mile runner, very explosive, very glycolytic athlete, comes to cycling and these races where there's these short punchy climbs, you know, four and five minute climbs, like that's bread and butter. I mean, he really? just goes, he can go deeper than almost anybody. Wow. Um, so that's been really fun to work with him. We've also got another former runner, 
an Australian kid named Jimmy Whelan, who is a Australian Olympic level runner, okay. um, who got injured again, um, kind of in the the build to the Olympics, uh, kind of through the university system there, and then the Australian Institute for Sport. Right. Um, same thing. Picked up a bike. I think his dad's a cyclist and was rehabbing and realized he was pretty good. So this was his first year on the on the world tour. Um, so we've got a few runners on the team. It's been interesting. It, it, it's it, been fun. It's to work fascinating with that Mary Wittenberg is the is the head the head boss at you know and and all of a sudden you got all these former runners turned cyclists. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I, there's something I, to it. I started. I got injured the summer before my senior year of college, and I started cycling <laughs> and. I did not end up on, on the Tour well, de France team. Well, now that we got you know Kevin here, that he could put in a word with Mary, and then maybe you'll you know get on the team if you yeah, yeah, well, maybe. we'll talk about yeah, yeah, all right. So not, you're okay not if pink. you don't. When, when I, you, when you qualify, you'll yeah. move on and, yeah. and you'll become a cyclist. Yeah. Well, and the the new head of USA Cycling was the former CEO of New Balance. Hmm. Oh. So uh, Rob DiMartini, I think his name is. Okay. Well, there you go. Rob, you if know. I mess right. up your last name, I apologize. Well, so we'll have to have Rob on sometime. Yeah. He can, I'm sure he'll you know, listen. He's to this. actually yeah. just met him up at Blackberry Farm. Bring okay. the, the, the story all, right. all yeah. around. All right. Briefly, because we need to we need to wrap it up on the Bell Lab, and we need to get you know we're sitting here at the Bliss Home Corner at Troopers Library, and so briefly tell us about what you've been doing the last couple of days at Blackberry Farms, the pro am. Yeah. So um, I think this was the fifth year that Blackberry has had a, a pro am cycling event, which yeah. is. There's a handful of pros that come in and then a bunch of amateurs, right? So there's like 50 cyclists that come in from all around the country, some internationally, who come to Blackberry Farm for four days. Um, We ride for three of those. It's pretty intense. We're divided into teams where each team has a professional cyclist kind of captaining that team. We each have, each team has a charity we ride for and every day we go out and there's multiple competitions. So it may be a, a hill climb. This time we were at Butterfly Gap, which is a right. nasty climb. I've done Butterfly long. Gap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. So there's that. We did a team time trial. Um, we did some sprint sections. So it's all, we're, we're you know, being timed on these things, teams scoring points, and the winning team um, gets to give money to their charity. And the winning individual to give money as well so it's all to raise money for good causes um but it's a lot of fun too we end up eating well drinking too much not sleeping and and riding really hard wow so how how do you if you're an am yeah as as i am how do you get involved in that as an amateur Uh, so it's it's the kind of thing that you can go to blackberry's website um and sign up for i think it fills up pretty quickly um the initial ones were a little smaller but now I think they're pretty much filling up the the room list and, and wow. you gotta for, get in there early. For, for next year already. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So hop on it. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what Gilday's doing over there, but uh, I think I think we're ready we're for figuring out some logistics as far as that stuff goes, but we're gonna finish up um, yeah, two hours. The quest to run the impossible yeah, marathon. So so the bell lap. So I I picked this book off the bookshelf. I had never read it before. Um, it's called Two Hours, The Quest to Run the Impossible Marathon by Ed Caesar, and when I first picked it up, I thought it was gonna be about, be about the sub two thing with Nike and Kipchoge. Turns out it was written and it was published in 2015, but it was finished, he finished writing it in 2013, which is right when Kipchoge was starting, the last race that he talks about was Kipchoge's, um, the last time he lost a race, which was I think London in 2013 when Kip sang Set, yeah. the, set the world record. Yeah. 
um, and, and Kipchoge was second place. Um, so, so this book is actually about Joffrey Mutai, who, if you remember, he set... We did talk about he, this the in, other day, in yeah. Boston, the year, the year of the, the tailwind. That, that, the one that Ryan Hall... Uh, yeah, yeah, Ryan Hall ran 204 or whatever. He ran 203.02 or something, which was the fastest marathon anyone had ever run. Um, and then, but it had an asterisk because it was Boston, it was downhill, and it was a tailwind. And um, so Ed Caesar kind of followed is is following uh, Mutai around and, and kind of and showing like what these guys are doing to and 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 why they think a two hour marathon is is doable. And then Mutai goes to New York, New York runs two o five, right? Which is like a four yeah. minute course record. Like so crazy, it's incredible on that course. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because he kind of hits his peak and then starts starts to decline right at the end of the book, and and at the very end, Kip Sang sets his course record. Kipchoge is is right behind him, and he's talking about these Adidas athletes and kind of what Adidas is thinking about like how to how to how to make a new shoe that's going to help get right. people two hours. And Nike is kind of talking about the same thing, but like. History, being able to look back and see what happened between the, the, when the book was written and, and now is is pretty incredible because you know with the with the four percent Nike shoes and Kipchoge and the two uh, and the sub two hour marathon uh, that they try to do on the on the F one track and his two hundred one in Berlin like that's what, this is basically just kind of a pre prelude to everything that happened. It's interesting so, if we'll see and you know Kevin I think had mentioned it earlier like. He knows some folks involved with like the two-hour project, you know, that kind of became Nike's thing. Adidas, whether they lost, they dropped the ball or not, you know, Joffrey Mutai, you know, kind of fizzled after New York. Um, it, 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 we need a follow-up. Yeah, to this book. there should be a, there <laughs> you know? should be a sequel. You know, where it kind of talks about what what happened afterwards with how how Nike kind of took took the Adidas thing and 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 made their shoe and. And the whole Kipchoge thing, and, yeah. and how they've how they've basically conquered the 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 shoe market, yeah, for sure. And not even to like speak of shoes, and, and we'll and we'll wrap it up, and we'll ask Kevin one last thing. But the shoe thing, just uh, three days ago, when Camelor ran the half marathon record, his whole thing was like he helped design a shoe with Nike, um, in order to like break that half marathon record and obviously he broke it by you know an extreme amount um but kevin you you were saying earlier when we were talking before we started um you know someone who was it that you knew it yeah a, yeah. a buddy of mine robbie ketchell yeah. was the like aerodynamicist for the breaking two project with nike do you think okay so you have a friend are they gonna is, is Kipchoge gonna break too? We, we, we think it's With, happening in October. We forget next couple weeks. I think because there's a there's a two week span. Are they gonna break two hours? Um, God, going on the record, I think probably not. But I think they'll take a step closer. Yeah, so closer um, than twenty six so seconds. Or, yeah, twenty six okay. seconds. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, no. I don't know what. So so the new the new sponsor is Ineos. Yeah, the, yeah. The petrochemical company, right? right? And I don't know what they're bringing in that's new other than maybe just another attempt at it. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's 
Yeah, there's something. Gonna be the same pace. Yeah. The pacers are going to be there. Well, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the yeah. same. Probably different pacers. Yeah, different pacers. But the same right. idea. Yeah. The same idea. The exactly. same. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be. It's going to be a different. It's not going to be on an F1 course. It's going to be on um, a road, but it's like yeah. a, a loop that they're doing a bunch of times. To me, what I think the biggest benefit they have over the Nike uh, project is the the mental the belief. That it can be that's, achieved. That's what I was going to say. Is I, I, um, I'm going to go on the record and say I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Ooh, just because. There we go. Just because Kipchoge, he's been there now. Yeah. You know, he yeah, knows. Yeah. He knows. He missed it by what 25 seconds last time. Yeah. yeah. He knows exactly what he needs to do, and and he is by far the best marathoner we've ever seen. He knows. He yeah. he knows that marathon. Um, I think they're going to get it. I hope he does. Yeah. I mean, I would be thrilled. I'd... Is it surprising that we agree? <laughs> But, you know, I think the shoes, going back to the shoes real quick, I think with, with all these shoes that are developed, the, there is some, some mechanical advantage and there's some, a small amount of, of real benefit there, but a lot of it is the belief, the placebo that, hey, I've got something new, right. nobody else has right. it. You know, if you design the shoe with them, then you're totally, you're totally sold on it, right? So I, I think they're really harvesting the placebo effect or harnessing the placebo effect, which is invaluable. Yeah. If you've ever yeah. read Alex Hutchinson's, Alex Hutchinson's book, Endure. We talked about Wait, that. We talked about it a couple one of weeks one back. Of, yeah. I think one of our first yeah. podcasts was about yeah. that one. Yeah, It's amazing. It yeah. kind of yeah. lays that out. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's my thought on it. Well, that's cool. Uh, I think we're going to go live here in three, two, one. Um, are we live, Julian? Excellent. Wow. And so... Uh, we had just a fantastic 45 minutes with Dr. Kevin Sprouse. Kevin Sprouse, thanks for being yeah. with, hanging with oh, us. My pleasure. Um, I'm the Deadhead Patrick. I'm engineer Ethan. And I guess we'll see you. We're gonna ha- we have another doctor. We had a physician on tonight, and we're gonna have another physician on next week. But we'll 7:30 definitely- on Thursdays at the long run. 7:30 every week, unless we tell you otherwise. <laughs> but we'll see you next week. Thanks, y'all.